Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Arthritis at Home. My name is Cheryl Cohen. I'm with Arthritis Consumer Experts. We host this terrific program online, and I couldn't be happier um, to have you with us, first of all, and also to be joined in our digital studio um, by uh, Ms. Phyllis uh, Gregg. It's uh, a pleasure to see you, Phyllis. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very, very well. Um, Phyllis, we're going to be talking to our audience today about um, actually a topic that doesn't get discussed enough, and that's about obesity and arthritis. Uh, and we're going to touch on this topic through, through your lens, through your personal experience. So first of all, thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us. It's really, um, you know, people have to go deep inside to talk about some of these things that are sort of social taboos, if you will. Just thank you for joining us, Phil. So I'm going to tell our audience a little bit about you. Um, so you're a member of our team, our Arthritis Consumer Experts team, and you're our social media and administration uh, coordinator. You've been struggling uh, with obesity most of your adult life, and you've been living with osteoarthritis for about the last decade in a, in a pronounced way. I want to start um, by asking you to share with our audience you know, where did your struggle, where and when do you feel your struggle with weight gain, let's call it, started? What do you think also were the causes of it? Like, just give us a, what you think was that early experience and when you could see your body changing. Well, thank you for one thing. Thank you for letting me do this. Uh, this is something that I have struggled with most of my I'm going to say right around uh, 35, 36, 37 years old. I'm now 63. And before I enjoyed a life of skiing, of, of roller skating, of hiking, of doing everything. And then I started gaining weight around right after 35 and I start, really struggled with it. I Then when I went into the late 40s, that's where it really started hitting of where that weight the pounds started coming on. I was eating the same way that I have always eaten. I have always eaten. And I could not understand why that I was ballooning so high in my weight. You know, everybody gauges weight. And I think a lot of women do from any myself, myself included for sure. How do my pair of pants fit? Yeah. And <laughs> you'll close test. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I have to tell you, I was afraid to get on a scale. Yeah. And I did not, I did not want to go there. Um, but my realization and for asking out for help, and I'm going to be totally honest with everybody out there is when I hit 320 pounds, wow. 320 pounds. So pause that thought for a second, Phyllis, mm -hmm. cause I want to, I want to ask you, um, causes. So you couldn't figure out why you were gaining weight. Usually people gain weight because their activity level drops, their calorie intake, usually their fueling, I call it, stays the same. And the stuff they're putting into their body, the food sources they're putting into their body aren't of the type that are conducive to fuel. Like they're, 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 they're sort of detrimental to fueling your body rather than making your body feel like it can be active and 
um, and, and do all the things that you listed in that list of activities. Do you think that choices were a, an issue for you? They were. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, when you hit, as you start gaining weight, you're thinking, if I have this piece of candy, if I have this soda, it gives you that little burst of energy of where you can do something for a half hour. Yeah. And sure, you can do something for a half hour, but it just wreaks havoc inside your body. Yeah. So, and that's including continuing to, to um, gain weight. The results of this, besides the weight gain, uh, the obesity, is where I could no longer go up a flight of stairs. Yeah. I could no longer sit on the floor and get up. I could no longer crawl around with my grandchildren. Um, I was, you know, you, 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 even your gait, your walking changes. You, you you're trying, to, you're trying to propel all that weight forward. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. which means that your leg, your feet do not lift up off the ground as well. Um, you have, you, your balance is off. So there's so many things that as I reflect on it, that I know that due to my obesity, this is where I was going to. And I cried, I yeah. thought about this. And then I reached out to somebody that I knew could help me. Somebody that I knew I could discuss and tell my failures to somebody yeah. I knew I could tell my successes to, and it wasn't going anywhere. I knew that I could, I could just be me with this person. So you found that, that move from, you know, I mean, I, I know you shared with me uh, this sentiment about your own body weight. It's hard to do something to help yourself when you hate yourself. Exactly. It's hard to flip that coin over in your head so hard. So first of all, just immense congratulations to you um, for, for taking that step. It is probably with obesity, one of the toughest things is to actually say, I need help. And we hear that theme recurrent in arthritis, living with a chronic disease, as you also do now, it's really hard when you consider yourself a strong, independent person to ask for help. Most people in our audience don't realize um, that osteoarthritis is increasing because, and is largely driven by the increase in obesity at the population level. And obesity causes, can cause osteoarthritis. Just being 10 pounds overweight can drive uh, pressure on the joint. So 10 pounds equates to somewhere between 15 to 50 pounds of pressure on joints, primarily hips and knees, ankles, which are those that are carrying your, mm -hmm. you know, the bulk of that weight. So when you say you needed, you reached out to this person, it's like, what would you say were the three things that made you want to reach out and change your life? It was not an aha moment. It was something that I really reflected on of 
because my depression, I felt so depressed about myself that I couldn't do things that I used to be able to do. And at the point of where you don't want to bend over to pick up a piece of paper, when you don't want to go to work, when you don't want to get up out of bed, that's where I knew that I had to reach out. So when I reached out to my person, I actually, you know, I was in tears and I literally said, I need help. And this person loves me enough of who I am, my total person, that she was going to help me. And I thought that that was the, that's the turning point right there. It was not of where she told me, okay, we're going to get started on this, 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 this right then. I gave her, I actually gave her parameters of what I knew that I could do at that time. Yeah. And she came back not quite a month later and started and took that time for me. She gave me a plan. And that wasn't just including um, just exercise flat out. It was a total new life change. Yeah, I love that term new life because, you know, as human beings, we like forward looking. I think we like thinking about something that has promise for us in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a, in research, Phil, there's a, a smart goal. So you sit down, there's actually a, a research informed way of sitting down and working up a plan like this. And with our audience at the end, we're gonna share some of those on slides so that people can go explore for themselves um, so that they can, uh, you know, find a way to at, hopefully ask for help and find the kind of information they may need if they're interested in pursuing, um, you know, um, addressing weight issues. What are some of the elements for you when you said it's not just about exercise? What are some of the big pieces of the plan that you follow every day? It has to really do with, it started out with diet. Uh, so new fuel, as I call it, fuel. It was fuel. Yeah. Uh, and that was including taking, going through every single thing in my cupboard, every single thing in my refrigerator with the trash can. <laughs> so... <laughs> And uh, I have to say, my husband was like going, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I said, I'm starting. I told him I'm starting a new life. I have to feel better. It has nothing. It had nothing to do with body image or anything else. It actually had to do with, I want to get out of bed in the morning. So it sounds like, you know, you kind of changed your view of how you fueled your body. Exactly. I mean, I know because you've shared with me, you uh, began to exercise and that exercise started slow for you because at the weight you were at, you couldn't do huge long bouts of exercise. So they were five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You built, uh, you shared with me up to yep. where you can now do 
a full hour of exercise. Um, and it, for you, it was, it seems like Phil's that balance because of your longstanding, um, uh, the, the pounds, the pressure that were on your joints uh, and your osteoarthritis, you also had to juggle and balance that, oh my gosh, doing this exercise is painful. It's a push, it's a bit of a push me, pull me. You're, you're starting to get fitter slowly. And then conversely, your exercise level could go up because you could do that exercise. It doesn't, we should be clear with the audience. Weight loss doesn't reverse osteoarthritis, but it sure makes it a lot less painful. I, I would love to close Phyllis with, if you're willing, a disclosure of your current weight and where you hope to be uh, in the early new year of 2023. You know, right now I'm at 255. It is, don't get me wrong. It has been a hard journey. But Phyllis, that's but amazing. But, but there's, it's something that I am not going to stop because I feel so much better. Yeah. It's your and new life. It's your new not, life. Yeah. Not only physically, but I, the biggest part for me is I feel better mentally. Yeah. Of where that depression has lifted on, on the inside of me of where I have no problem getting up in the morning. I have no problem saying good morning. I have no problem on doing different things. Yeah. So that has been, that's been the biggest thing for me. Amazing. Um, yeah. Congratulations, and Phyllis. That's just incredible. And again, reiterating, it's not a, a, a number, but having goals and understanding what your ideal body weight at, is and understanding the impact the weight has on osteoarthritis, on the progression of it and on the severity of it is so important for our audience. Osteoarthritis is the number one form of arthritis. You know, 90, 95% of the people out there who are living with a diagnosed arthritis are living with osteoarthritis. Um, so what you've shared with us about turning the corner, making the commitment on your new life, uh, not just to address, as you've so graciously shared with us, depression, you know, your, your um, the inner struggle that you you have had in making a change um, is is just so important for the audience. And if in fact you are out there in the audience and you want to make a change or you want help building a plan, you can always reach out to us at feedback at uh, jointhealth.org. Some key takeaways from our conversation with Phyllis include these bullet points on this slide and the two that follow. So we know a, a, the term obese or obesity means a person weighs more than 30% of their ideal body weight. We're providing you here with a link to a, an ideal body weight calculator. And we really encourage you to visit this link to figure out what your BMI or your body mass index score is. That's what this calculator gives you. You'll need to know your height and weight and those two things should preferably be measured at your doctor's office. Can see here the table below shows you what BMI score uh, turns into in terms of classification. So if you're in between 18.5 and 24.9, you're normal or healthy weight. 
Um, if you if that climbs to 25 to 29.9, you're considered overweight. 30 and up, you're considered obese. Or 40 and up uh, on the BMI score, you're considered uh, severely obese. So there is a direct connection between obesity and arthritis, that if you gain one pound, the pressure on the joint actually is like three to four pounds of weight gain. And that, that additional stress on the joint pressures the cartilage and actually can break the cartilage down and eventually causes the two bones to rub uh, together. Uh, because they have no protection on the ends of them and they start grinding on each other. You can see here in this picture of an x-ray of someone who is obese, they've lost a lot of that joint space on the right-hand side. You can see how it's more narrow than that on the left side, which is a healthy amount of joint space. Often people like this will appear to be kind of knock-kneed because their joint literally is sitting inside their body and it's crooked causes a lot of pain and can cause a lot of disability. So you'll lose the ability to do things that are very important to you. Um, people who are obese are certainly more likely to need a joint replacement. And the most common areas for these joint replacements are in the knees and the hips. So doing all that you can to maintain or return to your ideal body weight is vitally important to preventing or treating osteoarthritis. One of the first steps that you need to take or can take once you're ready is to make a plan to, to deal, to address your obesity. Research shows that using a smart approach to planning leads to a greater chance for success. Here's a really good example on the right-hand side that follows on the left-hand side, this acronym called SMART. So SMART goals are goals that are specific, they're measurable, they're achievable, they're realistic, and they're also timely. So here's the example on the right. One of my goals is to get better nutrition from the foods I eat. So starting today, I will eat raw vegetables at lunch and cooked vegetables at dinner every day. So you can see here, this example is very specific. This person wants is setting the goal of getting better nutrition from the foods they eat. It's um, measurable. They can actually, on a chart, tick off that they ate raw vegetables at lunch and cooked vegetables at dinner. It's relatively achievable. I mean, it means that you need to have these foods in your refrigerator and it's relatively realistic. And then it's timely. You, this person set the goal that they started today. They articulated they wanted to start today. So timeliness is a very important part of SMART goal setting. Thank you, Phyllis, for coming in and we'll see you next week.